What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. For the 30. To the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50. 40. To the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that 62-yard field goal attempt. It is good. That's good. Eagles. Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again. Those up the middle. It's intercepted at the 30. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. We call them the Salty Dogs. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to once again to the Salty Dogs podcast. I'm Scott Smith. And I'm Jeff Ryan. And we have a very, very special guest with us. And I don't think he's salty either in terms of age. No. Or the way he's feeling right now. This is a 21-year-old, I assume, realizing a dream. The newest Buccaneer, Devin White. Devin, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. So where does that experience last night rank among your life experience? Um, Last night, that experience ranks number one. Number one. Out of everything that I ever did in my life, and I done accomplished a lot, I done did a lot, but that's number one. And I think the only thing that can top that is, you know, getting to hold that Lombardi. Well, sure. Oh, nice. First time you rode a horse, was that up there? It's not even up there. Not even even riding close. at Titan Stadium, it's not <laughs> up there. But coming to Buck, like, that, that jumped everything, you know, in a matter of, what, one minute? The phone call didn't even last one minute because we talked so fast, and <laughs> we got off, and, we, you know, Next the pick was in. It it sounds like, I mean, if you get drafted, you have to be excited. But you sound excited about being a Buccaneer. Yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah. I just feel like it was a perfect fit for me, you know, on the draft process, you know, visiting all the organizations. And I thank everybody that brought me in and took the time to get to know me from each organization. But when I came here, it was just a different feeling. You know, when I ate with them before Pro Day, it was a different feeling. And, I mean, my gut always tell me what's right and not meaning that, it could have happened this way, but I knew if it did happen this way, my gut told me it was right. But if I didn't come here, I was still going to, you know, go try to produce and be that same great guy for another organization. But we don't even have to worry about that yeah. because my gut was right. You said Bruce told you during that visit, Bruce Arians, that if you were there at five, you were going to be the guy. Yeah, he told me. That's I don't think that happens very often, to be honest with you. That seems almost unprecedented. So that must have been just amazing to hear. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing to hear, but, like, you know, we didn't have, like, a real, real good relationship where I was like, you know, he just fit Didn't know if you could trust him yeah, or not. Yeah, so I was like, well, he, I mean, I hope he's a man of his word you because, can trust him. Yeah. you know, if he is, then I'll be off the board if the Raiders didn't pick me at four. Right. And once, you know, I didn't get the call from them and the pick went in, so I just looked at my phone. I just stared at my phone <laughs> like, yeah, it's about to ring in a matter of time, and it rung. That's awesome. What's it like when you do a visit, though? I mean, when when you when you were coming in, what was your mindset? What did you want to gleam out of that visit? So when I came in, you know, I felt like with each and every team, and this was my first top thirty visit too. But I felt with each and every team that I had showed those guys, you know, from my tape, from the combine, just that the football aspect of myself. And when I came in on the visit, I, I wanted to show everybody mainly. The Devin White off the field. I want to show them how good of a person I am. And, you know, not trying to brag on myself, but if you want to give me a job and a job of this magnitude, then you should really get to know me as a person because you're going to be taking a gamble. Like, you don't want to go get no hothead, you know, young young adult. You know, I'm not even – I don't call myself a grown man yet. Young adult. You just got to know that that's your guy. And once I came here, it was my first visit. I had no expectations. And I sat down with, you know, everybody, and it was all talking about – me as a person and you know I went I did that and then I went on other visits and it was get on the board doing this and doing that like which I done shown all draft process right. and I was like it just felt different here like it, it felt like what I wanted to be not saying that I always get what I want but you know I'm a real big on loyalty and you know getting to know somebody and loving them and giving them my all and they showed me that here when I first came here you know on my first top 30 visit and you know, a crazy thing when I was trying to fly to New York and go do uh, first take and get up and NFL live, uh -huh. I got stuck in the airport for like seven, eight hours. So uh -huh. that just show uh -huh. you like, man, that was a blessing from God. He was telling me, like, I don't want you to leave. You at home. And, I mean, I really believe that. You got, you got stuck in Tampa? I got stuck in Tampa at the airport. and I, But what was crazy, like, you know, when I was up here on my visit, my, my hotel room was inside of the airport. Right. Okay. So yeah. finally, I just told, uh, you know, Miss Claire at CAA, like, can, can you just book book me another room? I'm, I'm just going to stay tonight. Like, I'm not finna try to rush it because I done sat in the airport 
forth for eight, nine hours, and my plane keep getting delayed, delayed, delayed. So that's just to show you I was already at home. It's a great airport, isn't it? It's a great airport. I great think that, food. I think it's the first time in recorded history that somebody has taken a seven-hour delay in an airport, and it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah it was a good thing. At first, I was kind of, I was really mad because I was like, man, I got to go do all this media in the morning. I'm really excited yeah. about going live on TV, you know, and then... Next thing you know, it's like, okay, I'm staying in Tampa another night, but it turned out to be, you know, a hidden blessing, a blessing in disguise. And, I mean, I'm thankful for, you know, even though I was in the airport, I didn't complain. You know, I was just, hey, Miss Claire, the, the earliest flight you can get me on to New York, just put me on it. You know, I want to go there. I want to handle my business. I want to get to talk on the TV. You know, I just want to do things I never did before, and I had never been to Tampa. I had never been to New York, and I just want to see those new things. So, I mean, I, I was excited. Like, you know, I, if I put, get in a bad situation, and I always make the best out of it. Oh, I like that. So you were a running back in high school. I played defense too, right? But running back, linebacker. Running back, linebacker. And a good one, right? Yes, like sir. Like 5,100 uh, yards yeah. or something Yeah, like I that. had over 5,000 yards, over 80 touchdowns, and I had close to 200 tackles. So when you went to LSU, you still wanted to play running back, right? When At I went first, to LSU, I wanted to be a full-time linebacker, but I wanted to get a couple touchdowns in. And, you know, the more and more I got comfortable with playing linebacker, like – as far as last year, I wanted to get, like, five touchdowns so I could, you know, go to New York for the Heisman. Because I knew I would have had over 100 tackles and I would have had five touchdowns. Which probably doesn't happen. I would have yeah. been in the running. Okay. Yeah. But, like, you know, Coach O was in on it. Coach Ensmig was in on it. But Coach Randall was not in on it. He said, <laughs> oh, he said, I'm not about to have people out there hitting my number one linebacker in the knees. So I was like, all right, That cool. does make some sense. Yeah. I think we're happy about that at this yeah. point. Yeah, so I still I got a lot, a lot, a lot of trade. So if, if something happened, we're running out of running backs on a game day, you, you, you could step in, right? Man, <laughs> if Coach Bruce let me. <laughs> like you said, you, you like to experience new things. So playing running yeah. back in the NFL, that would be new. I, I'm just curious because if you're a running back, you're getting hit. But as a linebacker, you're delivering the hit. All the day long. Which one's better? Well, I – I'm going to assume it's more fun giving the hit. <laughs> yeah. But having been a running back and receiving the hit, does that help you now deliver the hit? Yeah, you know, you kind of want to get that pain back out that you used to get. But <laughs> the thing is, being a running back, you get to celebrate in the end zone and score touchdowns uh -huh. and everybody see it. Sometimes people don't – if it's not a big hard hit, people don't really care. You know, they don't really pay attention to it if it's not like a big sack well, or a big knockout hit. Well, all you have to do is create a fumble, run it in, or an INT and run it in. You can dance all you want. Yeah, but, I mean, it's kind of hard to come by. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, I got a little track record of getting that ball. We're going to say – you, you know who else has a track record of forcing and recovering fumbles is your new teammate, Levante David. Yeah. He's like a pro at that. Yeah. Have you – do you know much about Levante in his game? Yeah, I know I know about his game. I, I look at all the linebackers throughout the league and, you know, just to see how they play the game because – you know, I, I respect those guys because those guys are paving the way for me. Mm -hmm. You know, those guys are, you know, helping me get my foot in the door, you know. And I feel like, and I can say this comfortably, you know, when I'm on the field with him, I feel like, you know, we have the best, one of the best front sevens in the NFL. Mm -hmm. and, and I just say that because I know what type of players they have here, you know, in Tampa. And, man, I just know those guys are working hard. And, you know, they get another hard worker that's just willing to do whatever they ask of me. You know, me being a young guy, you know, obviously I want to lead, but obviously, you know, in order to lead, you got to be a great listener, a great learner. Fifth overall pick. That's the highest the Bucks have ever used. That's the highest pick the Bucks have ever used on, I guess, what you'd call an off-ball linebacker, not a, you know, Josh Allen edge rusher type. Yeah. So people question that high of a pick on that position because it doesn't happen very often. But, yeah. I mean, I, I think you're here to show how much of an impact that position can make. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> when it comes to that, and I hear that a lot, I always ask people, like, how many times have you seen a player like Devin White? There you go. Like, you never – like, it just don't it don't come around that often. So, you know, a linebacker going this high might not happen again for maybe 10 years, 20 years, but who knows. But, I mean, it really don't matter. But, you know, I'm just say, you know, for the people who didn't agree with the pick, in the long run – you would say, man, it was worth. He was worth the pick, and and that's just and that's just all. Like, cause I'm very confident in myself sure. and my abilities, and I know that the coaching staff here, <laughs> even if I ain't ready to, they gonna make that pick worthwhile. And I, and I'm thankful, and that's one reason that I was so happy to be here because I knew I was gonna be coached by the best, and I was gonna be a better pro just because of you know the the coaching staff here. Well, there's a lot of people that thought the Buccaneers should trade down, and, and I think this is another indication that they, they weren't willing to trade down because they weren't willing to lose you. I was right? just about to say, like, they wanted me and they knew. 
Yeah, like they couldn't if, risk it. If they traded down, I would have been off the board. And that's just for instance, like my brother Devin Bush. Yeah. You know, I knew he was gonna go anywhere. He was gonna go right after me because mm-hmm. he's another player like yeah. me. And then we just so happened to both name be Devin. Yeah. And I thought I knew he was going ten. I thought it was gonna be Devin, but you see how badly exactly yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers needed a linebacker because it's a big. It's a big position on the defense, and they traded up. So if I would have failed, you know, if they would have traded back and I failed, they probably would have jumped them and took me. Yeah, exactly. You know, because I was going to be the – you know, I was the number one linebacker on the board. I mean, and I'm glad it didn't happen that way because that's what I wanted to be. Awesome. I'm glad I, I, it didn't happen I love that way you. too. You're 21 years old, and I'm watching your body language. I'm listening to what you're saying. Where does all this confidence come from? Innate? Maybe. <laughs> I think the confidence just come from always being around great professional people and people who did it the right way. And, you know, throughout the years, it just always rubbed off on me. Like, I've never been a cocky guy. I always thank God for my abilities. And because sometimes I go back and watch film and be like, Devin, how did you do that? Like, how, how did you make that play? But at the end of the day, I know it's the man above, and I know he put me in a great position and put me around the right, right people throughout my life that's always played an impact on me. And that's the thing. Everybody see me as this great leader, but I still follow. I still learn. When when you say you're looking at tape and you go, how did you do that? So you're basically you're reacting rather than thinking when you're on the field. It's, yeah, it's like, you know, it's just like it's in me. Like it's in me. Like it's not nothing that I got to go work on in the weight room or on the field. It's just like when you got to go make that play, I want to be the person to make that play. And then I, it's just some strike through me. Like if you watch like Mike when he put them shoes on and tied them up, he was a different <laughs> player. It's like when I get on the field, you know, I'm a different player. And I'm just thankful for the abilities. Obviously, the Bucks got their man, but yep. um, there were people that thought maybe the Bucks should go for a pass rusher. I think what's interesting here is that even though they took you, the guy they wanted, at a different position, they helped the pass rush because you can rush the passer. Yeah, that's okay. what yeah. people – I guess people I, don't really realize. I like, think that's what they're forgetting. I got outside blixes. I got outside blixes, and I was a huge inside blixes, blix, got blixer. Yeah. And with, you know, Coach Todd – he do the same thing exactly. that my defensive coordinator did. <laughs> so I can be doing basically the same thing. And and people need a pass rusher, but what about my man JPP? Yeah. Yeah. What what is he? He's a pass rusher. He's a pass rusher. He yep. do a he do a damn good job. He does. Yeah. Carl Nassim had a good year last year. You got he, No, you're absolutely right. And yeah. that's the part that we were talking people, about last night. Missing. That yeah. that Todd Bowles will blitz you and he'll blitz Levante yeah. up the middle too. Levante's not a bad guy. Like pass you won't know who coming. Me exactly. or Vante. Like Vante can go handle the business and I'll drop back in coverage and handle that. Or I can go and he can mm-hmm. drop back and handle that. Like we gonna be vice versa. Damn, I'm excited. <laughs> gonna, look, it's gonna be crazy and I'm just ready to see how coach gonna use us. If coach tells me i don't want you blitzing guess what i won't mind i'm gonna do whatever he want me to do at the best of my ability and i'm gonna be thankful for the opportunity to get to do that if he just want me to go cover i'm gonna just go cover when he called me over to come go hit people sideline to sideline i'm gonna go do that if we get in the goal line situation he say go stick your nose in there i'm gonna go stick my nose in there just whatever he want sounds good to me well i think we gotta let you go here in a couple minutes but before we do i know you're gonna get tired of this being asked this topic but it's the first time we've talked to you so you you're a horse enthusiast yes sir. how many do you have i have four and what are their names daisy may okay heard that one overdrive my (laughs) two-year-old son and his sister Taylor made and my first horse ever, Ricky Bobby. So I have four horses. <laughs> That's great. Okay, I know where Ricky Bobby came from. The Daisy May is from. You just like the name. Just, you just like the name. Just like the name. Uh, her initials kind of special. You know, DM. My name Devin Marcel White. Her name Daisy May White. DM DM. I like it. You know, she pretty as a daisy. You know, she's sweet as a daisy. Everything just go coordinated <laughs> within. All right, overdrive. Overdrive. So when you think about Devin White on the field. And you know how people get tired in the first, second, and third quarter? Mm-hmm. That overdrive kick in in the fourth. So he reminded <laughs> me a lot about me. What got you into horses? Uh, you know, when I was young, I was at I was in the country, and everybody ride horses in okay. the country. And I was five years old. I seen a guy riding down the street. His name was Jack Giles. And I asked him, could I ride? And he let me ride. And then, man, if you get on the horse, you'll fall in love. Right? I got on the horse. I fell in love. It was very therapeutic. <laughs> And you found out it's easier to ride the horse than walking somewhere, correct? Yeah, it's most definitely easier than riding a horse than walking. Well, a horse is just like a big dog. Everybody likes dogs. but That's they don't, right. Yeah, they don't, yeah, yeah. There, there you go. So are the horses coming down? 
I mean, it just depends, you know, far as like, you know, being, I, I know a lady who lives 45 minutes from here in uh, Brooksville yeah. and she got the same type of horses I got, but I want to make sure that I handle my work on the field and mm -hmm. with the bucks before I start thinking about yeah, being able to ride horses. Sure. Cause that was the thing when I was at LSU, I was comfortable enough where I knew how to handle my business as a student athlete. And then I knew how to handle my hobby as a horse rider. So I want to make sure my hobbies and my real professional standpoint is in point. So I need to be a professional Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebacker first, and I can be a horse rider whenever the day comes and I get settled in here. But you talk about them like they're kids. Like yeah. they're they are kids, kids so but guess what? Miss them a little. They in great care. That's I mean, good. Most yeah. definitely in the best care in the world. All right. Well, Devin, thanks so much. Yeah. We really appreciate it's it. It's a pleasure. It was hey, great really to meet you. I'm looking forward to the yeah, season. I can't Thank wait. You. Can't wait to see all the things you're going to do out there. Hey. I can't wait. The Salty Dogs. And we're back here on the Salty Dogs podcast. I'm Scott Smith. Uh, I'm still Jeff Ryan. Uh, we we uh, no longer have our guest with us, but he was gracious enough to spend 15 minutes. It went by, it felt like about two or three. Yeah. It and, went by so quick. I, and he's what got, a guy. He got me jacked up. Dude. <laughs> he's got me jacked up. <laughs> I love the part where he said, people forget that. They loved Blitz Me Up the Middle, and Todd Bowles does the exact same thing. Right. I mean, can you get a better fit? Well, there was a lot of narrow-mindedness after the pick, you know. And, I can understand and it. You can underst and you can understand it because there are a lot of good players available. Well, there was a pretty good – if Kyler Murray went first, there was a pretty good chance you'd get Devin White or one of the top pass rushers. Mm -hmm. And I – you know, every time we talked about it, I would say uh, – I'd love to have Devin White. Man, he's going to be great. But also, there's all these great pass rushers. I wish we could get both. You can't get both. Yeah. But in a way, you kind of did a little bit because he's going to help your pass rush. Right. And that's, the, uh, well, you know, it's like anything else. You know, the first day of the draft, everybody wants to say yay or nay I or saw whatever. some pretty good reactions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm i not talking about our pick. I'm just talking about picks oh, yeah. in general, you know. And what I was going to say I'm willing is, to say nay about a couple of them. I well, can't believe Daniel right. Jones went six. Yeah, but but to me, it's it's kind of unfair to the kid because the kid's just, you know, he, yeah, it's he's not fair in, to him. He's sure. not fair to him, and, and you know, he's just he, he's just hoping he gets drafted. Guy gets drafted, and everybody goes, oh, that's a, that's a sucky pick. Jeez, <laughs> man, you know, what are you doing? So, <laughs> so, so I, I kind of fall to the human element that's of true. it a little bit. Plus, we're really not going to know for a couple of years which of these picks were good. Scott, that's what drives me absolutely crazy is, you know, it – if if this if people were really really good at uh, drafting ninety nine percent of the time, yeah, the draft is not yeah, a science. It's not. They try to make it a science as much as possible, you, but in the end, it's a lottery. You take as much information as you can and you go with it. And yeah. then I, and then I think I I kind of like what 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 he said was a gut feeling that he wanted to come to Tampa. So that must be a gut feeling that Bruce Arians had, Jason mm -hmm. Light had that. This is our guy. Right. If he's there, we're taking him. And I liked it. I liked the pick. I liked it. I like told him. him. Yeah. Yeah, I like He's going to be great. I just think the combination of Devin White and Levante David in the middle is going to oh. be amazing. Amazing. So, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, he wore number 40 at oh, LSU. Oh, man. And guys often like to get – the same number or something like it, and I don't think that's going to happen. Here's the thing, and and I know there were some uh, they were taking some pictures while we were doing this, so you may see them on the website, you may not. But the interesting part is he has a beautiful gold necklace with four zero on 40, it. Yeah, and it, well, he's proud of it. It was blinding me. It was so <laughs> so so bright. So so it must be dear to him. It's yeah. You but, know. you know, these, these things happen. It happens to a lot of players when they get to the NFL. So the question is. What number should he be? Yes. My personal favorite. Yep. And, and, and I'm not saying anything about any player that nope. currently has this number. But um, there aren't a lot of available numbers in the 50s to start with. So if, we, if he's going to get in the 50s, which is what I, what I would like, mm -hmm. he would need to get a number from a guy who has it right now. I would like to see him in 56. And I don't think – I think that's an homage to Hardy Nickerson. Right. The the best – probably the best inside linebacker in team history. Um, and I think right now Raheem Nunez-Rochas is, is wearing that. He's mm -hmm. a um, defensive lineman. Maybe he's a maybe he's a stand-up linebacker in this new defense. Um, and nothing against him. Um, but you could probably find another number for him. I don't think that he's established that 
he's 56 and he can't be moved and, and maybe he'd be perfectly willing or maybe they'd work out a deal or something right. but that, I don't know what he wants that's yep. just that's what I would do if it was, well, it was up to me from the kind of guy he is he <laughs> seems to understand the history a little bit of the team and he seems to also understand you have to earn things so I, I, it's going to be a fun thing to 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 play out here's the story I tell about guys picking numbers um, and you know he he probably no we didn't ask him so yeah. we don't know maybe he doesn't care yeah. but he probably wants to get 40 if he right. was 50 in, in LSU he'd probably want to be 50 Warren Sapp came in in 1995 and he'd worn, I believe, 76 at the University of Miami and we had an offensive lineman I think it was Scott Dill at the mm-hmm. time wearing 76 and uh you know he was you know, that's not a name that every Bucks fan's going to remember Scott Dill but I think he was starting at the time so it wasn't just a fringe guy uh and uh, he wanted 76, and our equipment director at the time talked him out of it and said, listen, go with 99 and make 99 yours. There's no, who's a famous, there weren't many famous 99s at no, that No, but point. I also thought, though, a little bit of the story as he went with 99, the reason why he, he warmed up the 99 was Jerome Brown, who wore 99, yeah, uh, because, was the Eagles, and he was right. killed in a car crash right. in Brooksville. So I'm sure that helped as well. Yeah. But what the equipment he, director was trying to, equipment guy was trying to tell him was, you can make this number yours. Correct. You can be the 99. Right. And I think it was a part of that. Right. And he made it his, but I also, I, yeah. I that makes sense. For some reason, I, I believe that. Now, you know, I may be wrong. Either one of us could, our yeah. memories are failing. Well, there, <laughs> there is that. But I do, I do know that, uh, um, you know, Jerome Brown did wear 99. I'm pretty sure. I probably need to Google that. Not well, you do that. Tr- not let's, trust my mind so much. Let's, you know? We got a lot we could talk about because of the um, the draft. You realize there's a draft going on, right? We, uh, I don't know when we're going to post this. I realize it. I got home at around one uh, twenty last <laughs> night. Uh, and then I was up at 6.15. Why? Because that's what I do. <laughs> I can't <laughs> so, sleep. So... It was an eventful first round. It was a surprise when the Raiders went with Cleland or Farrell mm-hmm. at four. Yeah. Um, I think that shocked everybody. It doesn't mean it was wrong. Uh, it was not a surprise that they went with a pass rusher. It's just people expected that would probably be uh, Josh Allen or mm-hmm. Ed Oliver as an inside guy. Mm-hmm. So that was the first real big shock of the draft because the Kyler Murray went as expected one, and then Bosa and Quinton Williams was pretty chalk. Uh, real quick, yeah, you can't see this, but there is Jerome Brown at 99. Like does that, did. yeah, but doesn't that look like Zap? Yeah, it does. Same physique. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They were both so, great right, players. So I was, yeah, I think okay, you're right about okay, that. Okay, cool. And he did play at the University of Miami. So, so together we managed to tell what was probably a relatively accurate story. Yes. Yay. We, we, we fact-checked ourselves before <laughs> it even begun. Continue. So, what, what, so uh, my takeaway from that first round beyond what the Bucks did mm-hmm. is that even though they didn't necessarily go in the order that a lot of people expected, there was still the run on defensive linemen slash edge rushers. It was a deep class. 13 yep. of the picks were that. And then when you add in the offensive linemen, there was a little run on those late. I believe 18 or 19. I think it was 19 of the 32 picks in the first round were offensive slash edge rushers or defensive or Offensive linemen or defensive linemen slash edge rushers. Mm-hmm. Some of them are called linebackers, but we know what they are. Uh, 19 of 32. And then there were three quarterbacks taken. So you do the math there, you're already up to 22 picks. And so positions, whether or not they were strong or not, are getting pushed down. Only one cornerback got drafted. One. Right. That's really unusual. And he went 30th. Mm-hmm. I don't. I needed to look that up, but I don't think the first cornerback going 30 has happened in a long, 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 long time. Like we were looking at this the other day, but we were using a different number, and we got back to like 2009, and the first cornerback was 25th. But uh, it's probably even longer, much longer than that, since that has happened in that position. And and I think that there's now a lot of cornerback depth available to teams picking near the top of the second round, like the Buccaneers. So if they wanted to add to that position, I think they have a really good opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. Byron Murphy may go right away. We may not have a shot at him, but. That's the Washington kid who's such a good playmaker and I think could maybe work in the slot. So I'd love to see us get him, but he'll probably be gone unless we trade up. But I think if we want to get a cornerback, we can get one right there. I, I think, too, is... Now, uh, when are we going to put this up? Because we're talking on Friday. Well, I, I, that's a good question. I'm so gonna, some yeah, of this I'm hoping, may have already happened. I, yeah, I'm hoping that we can get it up today. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know. I got to talk to the – I don't know how the powers it works. That yeah, I, we just – I just drop it in a drop box, and then it shows well, up on the if app. it's not – if it's if it goes yeah. up after Friday, then it'll right. be – see how well good our predictive skills sure, are. Sure, sure. But, I, you know, after the first round's over with, you, you know, that there's so much hype going into the first round. But honestly – it's the later rounds where you really find out what you can, you know, yeah. guys that'll that'll place in. We um, need to we need to hit with these second and third mm-hmm. round picks. Yes, um, there have been a few in recent years that didn't pan out. 
Uh, and some that did. I mean, Donovan Smith and Ellie Marpet were both right. second-round picks. And there's too early to really know about the three at, we had last year. That's another thing. Do you think there's another Division three player out there somewhere? Not necessarily we for us. Roll with yeah, those? not necessarily for us. But, I mean, we, we, we seem to – our scouting department seems to turn, turn over, over every, every – rock. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, we got a guy from the AAF, mm-hmm. Orion Stewart. Yeah. Um, and that's not unusual. A lot of teams have signed players off of that. But um, that league didn't last, but it did kind of help some guys get back in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, uh, I mean, I know how busy you are with the draft and, you know, you were running back and forth. It, it is fun. I mean, uh, how'd you do on your, uh, on your sheet? You, um, you, 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 you hit pretty close. I think I got about five, right? Oh, you did I good. got, I got, the problem was I overthought it a little bit. Okay. So I got Kyler Murray right, but everybody did. Right. And, um, I just, I should have gone chalk and gone Bosa, Quinn, and Williams, mm-hmm. but I switched them thinking San Francisco would go Quinn and Williams because they'd already signed D. Ford. So those two are wrong, even though they're. they're the, who'd, two, you, who'd you put for us? Well, I'm getting there. Okay. And then fourth, I and then fourth I had the Raiders taking Josh Allen, which maybe they should have done. I don't know. They took Claylon Farrell instead. And so at five, and it's I had, it's in the video we shot where we use the smart board. I say, I, you can't go wrong with Devin White here, but mm-hmm. I think I'm going to dip into this pass rushing. Crew and I took right. Ed Oliver and I'm glad I'm glad I was wrong. Yeah, he because Ed, Ed dropped a little. Yeah, he dropped down. to like ten, eight. Yeah, um, well, he was. Uh, I thought Josh Allen went yeah. seven. Yeah. So anyway, you know how it is with the mock draft. As soon as you get something wrong, it just throws everything else sure. off. But I had um, the eleventh pick, Jonah Williams to the Bengals. Right. I had the twelfth pick, Rashawn Gary, to um, to uh, Green Bay. Right. I got a, I got another one a little bit later. I can't remember off the top of my head which one it was, and then. I did accurately predict that the Seahawks would trade down, but that don't give me too much credit because the Seahawks trade down every year. I don't yeah. think people are aware of this. They have traded down every year since 2013, except for the years where they traded out of the first round to get um, the tight end uh, from New Orleans. It, uh, why am I blanking on him? He's a great player. The, redheaded guy. The New Orleans guy that was so great for so many years. Yeah. And then he went it, to Green Bay, yeah. Seattle in between. Never really played very well <laughs> once he left New Orleans. He's redheaded, has freckles. This is incredible. This is amazing. This is like one of the best tight ends of the generation. I know. I know. Anyway, that guy. You know, I see his face right now. That guy, and then they traded for Percy Harvin one year. He was a buck killer, too, by the way. Well, he killed everybody. For a couple years there, he was just blowing everybody up. You're looking it up, aren't you? I'm trying to. I'm trying to. We we should probably. What should I do? Google uh, New Orleans good tight ends. Or just best tight ends. Uh, New Orleans best tight ends. I think he's a Packer right now, so you might want to do that. Anyway. we might want to edit this out. No, we should Why? probably leave it in just to give ourselves a dose of humility. That well, you know, here's, remember the, name here's, the, the here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's something. We can BS like crazy because I'm an edit master, all right? But we're not. <laughs> we're we're not real. We're salty dogs. There you go. You get, you get it all. You get warts you and all. You like that? That was, that was piratical. <laughs> That's true. So the point that I got that got, me, got us into this rabbit hole <laughs> yes. swirling down the drain here yes. is that Seattle always trades down, always. And there are some teams that do that. It's a philosophy. It's like we're, we're going to – and they started with very few. They had one of the lowest – amount of draft capital they only had like four picks and so it made sense that they would trade down but you know when you're talking about a team that maybe wants to take a cornerback or a safety or something it totally made sense to trade down right i was surprised by the packers trade up jimmy graham jimmy graham <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how i couldn't think of that how I can i think of percy harvin and not I, jimmy graham? I, I see i can see him I maybe see. maybe i was blocking it out because i was tired of seeing him catch big oh uh, he always caught players. big plays so so um i was surprised by the packers move up from 30 to 21 mm-hmm. to get the safety darnell savage but i don't mean that as an insult to the packers it's another point about the draft that i think is interesting it kind of ties in this whole idea. You know how, as we were getting close to the draft, you'd hear something like Ed Oliver's draft stock is rising, or um, you know, uh, what? What? Their, their draft stock is rising yeah, right. because all the mock drafts are suddenly putting them higher. Well, it, that's that's the media, and and I'm included. We do our mock draft mm-hmm. too. That's the media just gradually realizing what teams have already thought about these guys for a long time. Right. The the exceptions come when teams do a really good job of not tipping their hands, like obviously the Raiders did, and they went to great lengths to do so. Nobody saw the Cleland Farrell pick coming. Mm -mm. Now, I'm not sure why that had to be a big secret, because I don't think anybody was going to trade ahead of them to get that guy, considering who went before them. But um, the the Packers trade up nine spots, which is pretty big in the first round. I think they gave up a second-round pick to get um, 
a safety named Darnell Savage, who, if you can go back and look at the mocks now, you don't see him in the first round in hardly any mock drafts. And the, the safeties that were going first were Jonathan Abram or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or Taylor Rapp or the, a bunch of different guys and not him. And if you look at some media experts' ranking of safeties, he's probably like five down, right? But that doesn't mean that they're right. And right. the Packers clearly not only liked this guy but felt that there were other teams – that were in danger of taking him, and they really needed to move up to get him. So it'll be interesting to see if Darnell Savage is a great player. That'll be an instance where not just the Packers, but pretty much everybody did a good job of not letting on how much they like this guy, right? Mm-hmm. I always talk about it, the, the, the Davin Joseph situation for the Buccaneers, 2006. Everybody in their mock drafts had us taking this tackle. I think his last name was Je- Winston Justice, but I think was his name. All right. And we didn't. We took Davin Joseph, and Winston Justice went, like, midway through the second round to Philadelphia. And we got bad draft grades. I, I just mm-hmm. did. You can't mm-hmm. see it, but I did the little uh, quotation mark, air marks, air quotes. And uh, that was 06. And we so we took Davin Joseph. You hadn't seen him in hardly any mock drafts in the first round. So, therefore, what is he? What is that pick? It's a reach, right? Right. Buccaneers took a guy, didn't have to take him 23rd or whatever it was because they could have gotten him in the second round. Right. If at some point during the draft, somebody had leaked out that the Bucs really liked Davin Joseph, well, then everybody doing mock drafts, wanting to get the pick right, would have put Davin Joseph in their first round mocks. And then when we take a guy that's being mocked to go first round, it's not a reach anymore. Right. So by, right. but it makes strategic sense not to let everybody know. And Davin Joseph proved to be a great player. That was a fantastic yep. pick. Winston Justice was terrible. So there yeah. you go, if I'm getting that player name right. I think, I, I mean, you do all your homework, you look at all the film, you look at all that. But, you know, if you put out, you know, I think you know, highlight films, everybody looks good in a highlight film. You and I both could look good on that. The way editing is done, you can look great. But They're going to have to go back in the archives a little bit because yeah. my playing days are behind me now. Well, I don't, I you know, 8 millimeter film, is that it? <laughs> or 16 millimeter Stringing film? Yeah. Like <laughs> Oh, damn, it broke. Uh, it, but, you know, the big bubbles yes. on the screen. Yeah. Um, but Actually, I think they're cave drawings. Is that what it is? Yeah, okay. of, of my playing days. I like it. Um, I'm just, I love the draft, and I think it's funny and and how everybody, you know, they're all experts, and there's nothing wrong with that. You should mm-hmm. be an expert. Well, it's entertainment. It's and fun. it's entertainment, yeah. exactly. And that's what you need to take it about is it's entertainment. But to, but to look at someone's draft and say, I give you a D or whatever, three days after the draft's over with, I, I, you're filling space as far as I'm concerned because I want to see what everybody – what everybody's sheet looks like, who they should have taken, like three years from now. Yeah. If you could go back and go, well, Scott Smith said this, yeah. and whoa, was he on target? <laughs> you know, well, I mean, that you, would make a great show. Yeah, yeah. Go back three go years. Go back and, three and re- years. Well, people do redrafts and stuff, but a lot of people— Not a redraft. I'm talking about— An assessment of it. You, do, you, you, have, a, you have players on the board. You have your Kuipers, your whoever's, you know— Everybody on the board. Oh, yeah. And then you show what, Who where the they best. were. There are and people that you do that. See, yeah. If you, if you search, you can find that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So people now, a lot of people, a lot of NFL analysts, who, when they put up their draft grades, often say that. Now, we really won't know yeah. for three years, but yeah. let's go ahead and do it anyway. Sure. And to be honest, I read them. I enjoy reading well, of them. of course. I know, I know it doesn't mean anything, but I still enjoy reading them. Well, it, the, you know what it does? It's the entertainment industry. You know what it does? It makes you think about it, and it makes you look at it in a yeah. different light, and it's just not your opinion. You're, you know, you try to... You know, try to read as much as you can and then form an opinion. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm looking for it. I know I don't know when this is going to be aired, but I'm looking for the the, the next next couple of days. You, you like you enjoy the draft. I do. I do too. I do too. I I do enjoy it. I do. I you know I um I like just watching it. I find it interesting because there's just so much that goes into it and yeah and being in the building, you know right. how hard everybody works. <laughs> yeah. You know, and no one goes into the draft thinking, God, did we blow that? I mean, it's just not happening. Yeah, you you tend to think other teams blew it. Yeah, well, you want (laughs) other teams to blow it. You know, everybody thinks, you know, we talked about this before, but, you know, the Giants pick, I mean, does anybody like that pick? I don't like it, but I'm here to say I could be totally wrong. I, I... I, I, I don't I don't know if I said this on the air with you or or was it off the air? What about the poor kid? He just wants to be oh, drafted. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this kid's getting killed, and all he did was it's not his so, fault. For someone sure. someone announced his name, <laughs> yeah. and it's his fault. Right. 
You know, he played for Duke. Look at all the Hall of Famers that came out of Duke. <laughs> oh, wait, well, that's basketball. I'm sorry. Uh, um, well, he's, he is six foot five. Yes. And he, he did get coached by David Cut- Cutcliffe. Therefore, he's basically the second coming of Peyton Manning. There you go. There you go. What's what's great about it, that whole situation is that Dwayne Haskins fell to the Washington Redskins yes. at 15, and he's mad yes. that he's in that division. Yes. He is at least going to try to exact revenge twice a year. Mm-hmm. And if he is able to do so, that's bad news for the but I'm sure I, the Giants didn't like seeing him land there. No, no. But I, I, I'm just taking it from the human aspect of it that, you know, we have to remember that these are young men and this is a for career. Sure. and. You know, they don't really have a choice. I mean, think about what you do for a living. You know, imagine you get out of got get out of school and you have your degree, whatever it may be, and it's a draft board, and that's where your job is, and this is where you're going. And then now, you get drafted into a job. Yeah, yeah. You don't have a choice. You uh-huh. just okay. There you go. Right. So I mean, I can tell you when I got called by the Buccaneers, uh, it, I didn't think I had a choice then either because uh-huh. I wasn't getting called by five other right. teams, and <laughs> right. so I got drafted here. I, I, I remember that, Jeff. It was 1992, and this was before the internet and all that, and um, Rick Odielsa was the PR director. Right. And he, uh, he, he, I was talking to him on the phone, on the landline, in my dad's house in Phoenix, Arizona, uh-huh. and he said something like, uh, yeah, tomorrow or something, we, I got to go on the, the tour. It was like a whistle-stop tour with Sam White, who was the new yep. head coach, meeting fans and so on. And he said, Sam... Assuming that I would know who he was talking about, right. I had no idea who he was talking about. I was on that tour. <laughs> and I'll tell you who was on the tour. Was that 92? It was 92. Oh, maybe it was 90. What year did Hardy come? 93. Okay, it was the 93 tour I was okay, on. Okay, well, 92. Steve DeBerg, um, Hardy, me, and whoever our backup quarterback Steve DeBerg was. and I both went from Kansas City in 91 yep, to here in to 92. And it was a package deal. Look at that. So he but says, in any case, he says, Sam, I'm going on this tour with Sam, yeah. and I'm on the other end playing dumb, like, oh, okay. okay. I had no idea who he was talking about because I hadn't, there was not an internet source yeah. there. So it wasn't like <laughs> I looked up, I should have studied up on right. that no, a little no. bit before, before doing the phone interview. <laughs> well, back then you could bluff your way better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got off the phone, like, what was he what? talking about? So I had yeah. to look it up somehow. I don't they, know. It was a Buccaneer caravan. What they would do caravan, is, that's yeah, what I was it was for. Buccaneer. What they would do is they would go from Tampa, you'd stop in Plant City, Lakeland get to Orlando, uh, you would go over to Daytona, then you would run up to Jacksonville because that was before the Jags were up there. And you did this in like two days. And you would stop in Orlando and you would do a, a golf tournament mm-hmm. for because Orlando's part of our market. Right. And then you would go to Daytona and do a breakfast meeting. Oh, wow. A breakfast type thing. Daytona. And, yeah, and then you go to Jacksonville and you do the night thing a dinner oh, wow. thing chamber thing and then you would come home it was really pretty cool but nowadays you don't have to do that you really People don't have can, to do yeah that. yeah it's a cool event but yeah well yeah uh, it looks like uh that pick worked out for you or for the buccaneers because you're still here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right yeah well i got i got drafted like devin white now apparently really likes being here right he's, oh, he's he sat great. down before we went on air and he said uh I'm like, what would you think of the tour? He's like, I'm already home. Yeah. It's like, it wasn't like he was getting a tour of a new place. It was like, I'm, I'm in my house. Well, see, you, you're, a, you're a great seasoned veteran player because you came in as a uh, public relations guy and you morphed into this thing called the internet when no one thought it was going to work on <laughs> websites and you started that. It's true, though. When, when, what year did you start doing the web? 99. How many websites were out there? Well, the, we, we were towards the tail end of NFL teams putting up their websites. Yeah. It was just happening, then. that's right. why we had to get on it. Right. And there, yeah. And then you went from there, and now you're a radio, TV personality. Multimedia mogul. On st- I, last night, I saw you. That know, was a cool I, event. It was the a great draft party. I think that, that seemed bigger I'm, than usual. I'm going to pay you a compliment. I know you're going to find this shocking. We're going to have to edit this part out. Huh? No. Well, that's true. I probably will. I'll just make you feel good now, and then you'll never, <laughs> never hear yet. You looked really great. You, you had a suit on. Yeah. And, I mean, you have a suit on now, but I mean, you just well, that's nice looked down on the field. And I, look, and it I didn't just, know you were there. I was. Oh, okay. I, we did. Uh, we got this thing called radio. It's old school. <laughs> you know, we did, we, <laughs> what? Yeah. It, unbelievable. We did yeah. five hours the oh, whole first goodness. round. Holy crap. Oh, yes. Oh yes, but you see, that's the, that's it. We work in the same building, but we're all over the place. Yeah, it's a big it's yeah. a big procedure now. There were a lot of people working last night. Yeah, uh, getting out getting out graphics right away and videos. And, and there'll be a lot of people working tonight too. It's, it's tougher though because you know it was with the fifth pick you could prepare for a handful yes. of guys that it was probably going to be, and we did have yeah. stuff ready for Devin White because that seemed like the most likely pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, 
that was good, but it's going to be a lot tougher yeah. from here on out. I'm very excited. I mean, I, I'm going to call it early. I think fans are going to fall in love with him, with our Fitbit. I don't see how I, I think how it couldn't happen. I mean, he's infectious, and he's probably going to be a great player. He doesn't seem like a guy that there's much bust potential mm-hmm. there. I mean, anybody can boom or bust, but spend, I would, I'd be shocked. Spend 15 minutes with him, yeah. and, and I'm a fan. Big fan. Speaking of fans, do you want to uh, wrap this up and then go oh, to the third segment? Have, we we have, have some questions. Oh, I didn't know. I was, um, I was, I was on a show with Casey, a yeah. live show, and one of the questions that somebody asked us on the live show is, "When are you guys going to do the next Salty Dogs?" Uh-huh. And that was a couple weeks ago. You I said, mean when you were out cheating on me? <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> that show's live. Yeah, you can't even edit that one. Yeah. So um, I said it was probably pretty soon, and then as it turns out, it's you know it coincides with the draft because that made sense. Okay. And uh, I also gave out the um, the email address at the time, and we got a couple questions. Wow. So, one of them is from a guy we've heard from before. Well, that's fine. We like, we so like, you want, you we want like, re- we, we like, what? Jinx. Should we just roll right into it? Yeah, because it's, it makes my life easier if okay. I don't have to stop. That's what we want, yeah. Jeff. All right, and then, the, and then they can just, they, they, and then they're going to have to listen to the whole damn thing to get to the questions. But this is your third segment, fans out there. If, if it's important to you that we do this in the way we normally yeah. do it, um, consider this our transition to the third segment when we read your questions. Now, this first one is, you'll remember this guy, Alexander Nascimento from mm-hmm. Brazil. Yes. He, he sent us a bunch of questions. Uh, okay, so he's, he says, good morning, salty ones. Now that the league year has officially started, this one came in earlier. Okay. The other two were new. Right. It is time for players to come and go, and as a fan, I am always curious to find out which jersey numbers new Bucks players will choose. So it's uh, relevant right. to what we were talking about, wow. even though we sent this in last yes. month. Yes. With that in mind, I'd like to know which numbers are the most and the least used in our team history. To narrow my question and make it easier, let's consider players who have actually played one official regular season game. Okay. Okay. Oh, I guess you guys can play a guessing game where Jeff can choose some numbers in each category and see how he does since you did thanks for reading <laughs> and uh and that's good because he know he's he's obviously listening knows that when i get these questions i research and you yeah. have to do it cold. so so he's so the question is what what number gets picked most what number's been worn the most and the least i think in, uh, in team least, history and the, first of all let me explain that in looking up the answers i have here exact answers for how many different players have worn oh, wow. the most or the least. Okay. I don't have a hundred percent for sure, although I can guess of which number's been worn in the most games. Okay. Because there are players that have worn two or three numbers right. and finding out which ones they wore and how many games was way too much work right. to answer this question. Yeah. This already did was a ton of research for just this part. So I can give you what I think is the correct answer for most okay. and fewest games, but I'm not 100% sure, I, but I am hundred percent sure on the number of players. Okay. So do you want to guess I, most worn number? The, the, the worst number, most worn number, most, most worn. different players who have worn this Jersey number in Bucks history. Seven. No way! Come on, there's the only there's that's only punters and quarterbacks. <laughs> you like that? That was you? a very bad guess. Would you like to try the again? most? The most. Um, well, I'm not going to give you three if the I, second one's as bad as the first one. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who would. Well, think about it. Be, you, you'd would, want it to be a number where it could be multiple positions. Yeah. So, well, like, if it's if it's a '70s, it's almost surely going to be offensive line. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If it's 90s, it's going to be defensive line. Right. Maybe a few linebackers. All the teams are going to be receivers with a couple quarterbacks. Right. Maybe a most punter. Most worn number. This number has been worn by 23 different players in team history. Wow. And I, one of them, I'm trying to give you a hint here. The one who wore it the most, 91 games he wore it, and uh, he was a running back. 28. Yep, there you go. Good job. Work done. Is the most prominent of the 28 of the okay. 23 people. He he wore it for 91 games. After that, number 89, mm-hmm. most prominent player there is Kevin House, but right. 21 different people Great wore. Great wide receiver. Um, number 33 and number 84 have both been worn 20 by 20 different players in team history. And this is in a regular season game. Right. They played in at least one regular season game. Right. Uh, do you know the most prominent 33? It's from the old days, but you used to watch this team. Defensive back, the first good Bucks defense. The first Bucks defense. The first good one. Wow, you're going way back. Yeah, like the 79. Yeah, defense. I know, I know. Yeah. I... Mark Cotney. Oh, yeah. He Mark... wore it for 113 games. I saw Mark uh, at the Ring of Honor. Probably an underrated player in team. Very history. much so. Very yeah. much so. And a really great guy. And then 84 has been worn by 20 different players, and I'm happy to tell you that the next time 
Cam Brait plays a game, yes. he will be number one on that list. Can you believe that? Already? Really? Yeah, Joey Gallo was number one at 66, but Cam Brait has 66 games in that number now. Great. Uh, Bruce Hill's probably the one most remembered other than yes. Joey Galloway for that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there Good is – Cam. What is the number that has been worn by the fewest number of players? I would say 63. You nailed it. I didn't even have to give you hints or anything. Yeah, I mean, I would just – you know, I don't think – has anybody worn 63 other than no. Leroy? No, and that's – that's you figured it out logically here. It wasn't just a guess because Leroy – was there from day one, mm-hmm. got the first, first pick to race 63, had a Hall of Fame career in it, mm-hmm. and then the number was retired. I don't think the number was retired immediately uh, after he... It wasn't. It was probably when he went into the Hall of Fame in like yes. 93 or 94. Correct. But that was a span of about eight years, and I guess 63 wasn't that coveted a number, and I'm, I'm guessing guys, the equipment guys purposely didn't give it away. Um, Papello. Frankie Papello. Frankie Papello. I don't think Frankie would have let you have it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, And then it was officially retired. And I don't think you would want to as a, as a player because at that time, you know, Leroy was. Uh, he was the buck. Yeah, he, the buck. Yeah. No question. Other These numbers are next. They've been worn by four different players. 6, 16, 18, 42, 49, and 99. So the, the I'm just going to give you the answers here. I think yeah. the number that's been worn in the most games is – 20 because Ronnie Ward for 241 games. Which is I, I was going to say 20 it would be the and most. And then it was also Neil Colsey. He had it for a while. Mm-hmm. Odie Harris had it for a while. So I I couldn't really add up all the numbers because of those players that wore multiple numbers. Mm-hmm. But I think it was 20. And 40 is close too because you got Mike Allstott. But before him, Mike Washington wore it for a long time. And Gary Anderson wore it for a long time. So those three guys racked up a lot of games. Wow. And then the number that has been worn in the fewest regular season Buccaneer games. I do know this answer for sure. The fewest. I don't know. Anybody wear one? Yeah, it's been worn. Like punters. Like I yeah. think Reggie Roby was number one. Uh, he also wore a watch. <laughs> and, he, and he made cookies. Yes. Reggie Roby and cookies. And they were really good he cookies. He sold them, too. didn't he? Yes, they Reggie were really Roby good cookies. <laughs> Every time I, I say Reggie Roby, I yeah. always say Reggie Roby. Every time cookies. you say Reggie Roby, I think of him playing with a watch on. That's right. <laughs> just... That's right. I forgot that. I guess you had to time yourself. <laughs> <laughs> What's my hang time? What's my hang time? Uh, the number. Number. This has only been worn in 16 games, but there's a player on our team wearing it right now. Wow. Out of the uh, 90 that are in the building now? <laughs> yeah. I'm, but he, he was here last year, too. He played 12. This wow. guy has played 12 games in 49, which is 12 of the 16 total games that have ever really? played in the number 49. This is great. And that's I, Riley Bulla. I would not have guessed. So that. if you're if you were doing an exercise where you're saying what, what player yeah. owns each number yeah. one to ninety nine, it would be Riley Bulla for forty nine. Really, that's his claim to fame so far. Wow, Joe Dirk does it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that was a pretty thorough. That answer. was great. That was All very right. good. Good research, Scott. Thank you. Um, salty ones. This is from a guy named Anders. I, there was no last name. Okay. I've known a guy named Anders before. That's not a common name, but really. Um, I've heard you guys reference games from the 90s from time to time, uh-huh. which we, I think we've done today. Yes. So maybe the salty part refers to salt and pepper hair. Well, duh. Uh, nothing's getting by yeah, him. Right? Anyway, I take it you've seen a lot of Bucks games. Yep. On the nose again. How many do you think it is? And who has seen more between the two of you? And I'm, te- I'm talking in person, not on TV. I know it's you because not only were you here before me, but you also went to Bucks games as a I fan. I used to go to Van. Yes. So you got to have me. Yes. Now, I don't know if you've been to every game since 92 or not. Since 91, I've been to every single game. Okay, then you definitely got me. But one. Okay. You definitely got me. I missed one game. Me in, too. Since 1991. What was that? Uh, if you want to talk about it. 2003, last game of the year to, uh, against Tennessee. Wasn't a good game. No, we lost. Um. So uh, I have also missed one game since we started because in 93, near the beginning of the season, our former owner, Hugh Culverhouse, decided there were too many people on the plane and like several departments had to like lose a guy and I was low on the total point. Oh, okay. So I didn't get to go to the New York Giants game, which wasn't, I wasn't yeah. happy about at the time because it would have been my first time ever going to New York City. Yeah. Uh, uh, but um, they, they scrapped that after because apparently it was difficult with without missing, you being, yeah. not just me but the other people just yeah. so they decide they go ahead and bring those people mm-hmm. so the number is for me mm-hmm. uh because i've never been to any buccaneers game before i worked here the number for me adds up to 552 if you're counting preseason and and, and uh postseason okay so you're over that you're probably nearing in on 600 games that you see. i went to yeah you got me by 20 from 91 yeah um 
So I want to say. Are you counting how many games you went to as a fan? Well, no. Well, I would go to every home game. Oh, um, you're probably over 600 then. Yeah. Um, probably another 80 games. All right, then. Why don't you tell us about every single one of them? Start with the first one. First game? The, <laughs> the first Buccaneer game? I'm kidding. Uh, I remember it. It was, uh, it was against the Denver Broncos. We got killed. Sat up in the old sombrero in the very, very top. Nice. Yep. And you enjoyed the experience so much that you kept going. Well, it was actually my first uh, professional football game. I've never been to one as a fan. Yeah, so I've it was pretty cool, it. you know. And uh, so I kind of got hooked on it, you yeah. know. And, cool. and you know, uh, the team was new. I mean, you know, the team, so it was the big thing. You know, 40 years since the other day that they've got awarded it was yeah. in 74, right. you know. And then. 45 years. Mm-hmm. But I will, I will say, you know, uh, Bucks have been a big part of my life yeah, as, so. as a, you know, professionally and, and personally. Used so to it's, sit- it's going to feel extra good when we get this thing turned around. Yes. Well, here's the good news is seeing the good, seeing bad, seeing good. And when I say bad is a losing season is a bad, bad season yeah. is bad. Um, bad things happen when you have thing, them. Yeah. People lose their yeah. jobs. But uh, I, it, it's coming around the bend. And when it does, it's going it, to be great. It's going to be great. Yes. One more question. It's in all caps. Came in just a few days ago. Okay. He, so basically, he's yelling at us. Who are right. we going to draft? Who are we going to draft? And that goes on for like yeah. eight lines. Who are we going to draft? So I think he wants to know who we're going to draft. Now uh-huh. we're we're recording this on Friday afternoon. Right. So the first pick is already in, and that's Devin White. Right. So we could we could probably try to um, predict somebody we might draft in the second round. You'd have to do that. I'll pre- I, I, I'm I'm hope maybe it's hope maybe I'm predicting. I think there's cornerback and offensive line depth at the top of the second round, right. and so maybe Cody Ford, an offensive yeah. lineman for Oklahoma, played tackle there. But there's a lot of scouts that think he could be a guard. I just think it's a good fit for our situation because the one real kind of open spot that we have competition uh-huh. for is right guard. Right. So he could come in and, and maybe start right away, right. even if our tackles, Donovan Smith and DeMar Dotson, are still in place. But then he could conceivably be a tackle down the road. I mean, he's he probably needs a little bit of work, but he, he's a huge dude, but he's got nimble feet. So he, he projects as a guy that could play right tackle in the NFL. I think it's harder to project in the other rounds because every, there's so much movement from other teams that, yeah. you know, it's the what-if factor. But here, after day one, seven picks into round two, you can at least make yeah. a reasonable adjustment. So. Well. That's mine. And maybe a cornerback, you know, so we'll see. But I'll, I'll put my, my stamp on Cody Ford. Good players. That's what I'm going with. There you go. We're going with good players who want to win now. All right. It's been a while, Jeff. Did you enjoy coming yeah, back I to did. the uh, I Salty Dogs? I did. It's pretty easy. Well, we just kind of knocked this out, and then we have to run down the hall press because conference. there's a press conference going on. See, it never ends for the Salty Dogs. Well, especially just, this weekend. Uh, this there is, is no weekend. weekend. There is no weekend this it's weekend. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, but no. Remember when the draft was all day Saturday and all day Sunday? Yep, yep. That I like this setup better. I didn't. I liked. I liked at noon to like seven o'clock on Saturday. It was just. It's a total event. I just like the getting whole, Sunday off. Yeah, after. breakfast. You'd have lunch. You have dinner at the draft. It was oh, awesome. Yay! Yeah, I can do that at home. Too. Well, I understand that. All right, let's wrap it up, Jeff. All right, hey, listen. Hey, you know what? We'll be back. I'm not sure when. Um, Somewhere around the OTAs. Yeah, maybe. Um, Get one of our new players on here? Yeah, maybe volunteer. Uh, maybe mandatory mini camp. June. June. Early, early June. Maybe we can do That's a good early idea. June. I'm going to be gone, but I'll be back on like. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. You're going to Australia. Yeah, so I'll be back. I'm not jealous at all. No, not at all. All right. You done? Mm-hmm. You got any, any I'm other salty you. things to you're, say? You're, you're, it's all on you. It's all on me. Okay. Salty dogs. Since you did. <laughs> Thanks for listening.